Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. that time of week again i know we're not necessarily a weekly show but uh we do have a weekly standard show and he's john sheeran i'm anthony kazenza this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast a a little bit of a busy week in terms of it technically still being the off season the nfl combine is upon us i gotta say a little piece on that specifically regarding this show but john how you doing my man we've got a special guest sitting behind you it looks like there yeah i mean is she the guest or am I the guest? Like she might as well. I guess, like yeah. she might as well own this place now. But like I like I mentioned last week, I got a cat a couple weeks ago. That's Ava, just chilling on the couch. She's not a paid actress. No, she we just can zoom this in here. Yeah, she she just uh kind of assumed assumed the throne there in the background. So I got I got two people behind me now: a dead man and a very alive uh, three year old diluted calico. So say hi to Ava. She might make regular appearances on the show in her little spot there just cruising i love it she's just she's just chilling hey uh love that i i gotta start off though john with a a little bit of an apology to our listeners to the readers of cincy jungle because um i got us credentials uh we were credentialed people at the nfl combine for this show and for cincy jungle we were approved for it and um was excited to go and unfortunately, life, and if anybody's been paying attention to what's going on in Southern California, we've actually had some crazy storms. My area's had snow, and I don't think ever in decades and decades, you know, I'm 40. I don't there, remember it ever snowing out this way. Um, so, you know, flights have been, for me, to get out to the, the scouting combine have been a little rough. I had plans to go. A lot of things have come up. So, uh, unfortunately, I had kind of big hopes visions hopefully you guys enjoyed what we did at the nfl draft last year um some of the stuff we did with the super bowl last year as well um i kind of wanted to continue that tradition going on this year didn't do the super bowl this year because the the Bengals weren't involved in it this year but uh you know i I just wanted to apologize to our listeners because usually we like to bring that kind of stuff have that kind of you know firsthand soundbite firsthand interviews all that kind of stuff we had it lined up and just couldn't make it work unfortunately, but we hope and plan to do more of that 
be it at, at major events and whatnot in the future and bring you more of that stuff that hopefully you've been enjoying. So I kind of want to just start it off. I don't mean to sound start off the show with like this somber deal, but uh, you know, kind of had these, these big plans and unfortunately um, just couldn't make it happen. Is it not hilarious though? Cause there's been talks about the combine being moved out of Indianapolis for the sake of weather, but it's snowing in California and it's perfectly fine yeah, it's like, in, in Indianapolis. What? So <laughs> yeah, it's like, of course. So uh, you know, we we talked about it. We may, I don't even remember if we've teased it, but, you know, we did have, like I said, we did have things lined up for it. We had credentials and all this kind of stuff. There's still a slight chance I can get there towards the end, you know, the, the next day or two here, if I can just hop a quick flight or whatever for a day or so out there. But, um, you know, we had, we had big plans. We had a big vision for it. And unfortunately it didn't happen, but we've still got some access via some great beat writers and others getting us uh, in the NFL network, getting us some great sound bites and stuff. So we're going to talk about some of the stuff that has come out of the NFL combine because John, there's been some interesting quotes from guys like Duke Tobin, Zach Taylor, Frank Pollock about the 2023 Bengals and the direction of the team. And, you know, I like to use the adjective interesting a lot, but I use that kind of, Tongue in cheek here because there were some eye opening remarks made by by that trio. <laughs> Anthony, you want a receiver? Go get your own. Yeah, man. go Don't. go get your own. Oh, not man. here. I wish I would have been like that. The first thing that I thought when I saw that quote, and we'll pull up the the story on that one here on Cincy Jungle. The first thing I thought about with that quote is I was like, oh damn, I wish I was at the combine and been the person who had asked him this question. Um, go. Find your own. And I love the pettiness. I love the, I don't want to call it childishness, but that is like a, a, a playground kind of mentality. Go get your own, right? I, this is mine. Go get your own. I love that mentality and I love it. It, it. It's odd to me though, John, for how many outlets and how many things that we've heard and all the speculations from all these different outlets that the Bengals are going to trade T Higgins. They're going to trade him and the bears are going to give away that bubble. And it's like, no, the, the Bengals de facto GM is saying, dude, no, this, <laughs> we, we love him. This is our guy. Okay. There, there's a lot of things here because we keep running in circles with people who aren't familiar with the situation and they keep arriving to the point well, of, well, they can say whatever they want, but they can't pay all three of these guys and expect to feel a competitive team. So this this is just fodder. This is useless talk that, you know, it's the usual capping and lying that NFL GMs and coaches say all the time at this year. It doesn't mean anything because at the end of the day, they're not going to pay all these guys. And that's it's miss, it's the opposite of the point. The Bengals don't know who they can and can't pay outside of these three guys being Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. They are very much in business of paying all three of these guys. It, 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 it's, it's the opposite. It's like, okay, well, they have to pay everyone else on the team to feel the competitive roster, so they can't pay these three guys. No, they're paying. They're going to try to pay all three of these guys, and they very may, very well may do it. And then the issue will be, can they feel the competitive roster around them? It, it, it's, it's gotten it backwards to the point where it's like, the, the Bengals aren't going to do this because they have these other things in mind. No, these are the things that they have in mind. T. Higgins is amongst the three most important players on this team in terms of position value, in terms of just everything that goes into making a player like the highest paid position 
highest paid player at his position or one of the highest paid players at his position. That's just where the Bengals mindset is. And it's what we've been saying for the past month now. These rumors have never existed because they've never come out of the building. It's just been generated from people who just want to talk about the Bengals and want to talk about this unique situation because it's true. Not every team has a top five quarterback and two bona fide number one receivers. And the idea, the concept of paying them in today's climate of just NFL contracts at these two positions is very ludicrous to think about. But the Bengals have a track a track record of paying these two positions specifically. And again, the Bengals care about cap health. They care about all these things. They're not always going to spend up to the cap. They're not always going to be aggressive in this regard. But everything that they do in the next two years will be revolved around fitting the team around these three players. And whether or not they get yes. a deal done with Higgins yes. in general is irrelevant. Yes. But they're going to try. And that's why this whole... This whole drama about trading Teagans has always been false. They that is an exceptional statement that they will do that that this is who they I mean, I, I know there are some key defensive pieces. I mean, I know they've they've grabbed some great guys in free agency. They've drafted and groomed some really good players in Pratt and, and Logan Wilson and and others. But you are spot on that this this team centers around those three. Uh and obviously you can see that based on the change that has transpired, particularly in the last two years, when all three of these guys have come on board. We're talking Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, obviously. We talked about it on a past show. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was you know kind of as the Bengals were making this playoff charge towards the end of the year here. And I kind of said, look, I mean, I, we know how exceptional Jamar Chase is. We know he does all of these things that not a lot of receivers can do. Um, you know, he's, he's tall enough, you know, six foot six one, and he's, he's kind of built like a running back, but he's got that track speed. He's got good hands. He makes acrobatic catches. He can stretch the field. He could do yard. We know all this stuff, but T Higgins, it's very difficult for teams to find a player with his dimension, six, four, the frame, the catch radius, the ability that no, not a speed demon down the field, but the ability to still stretch the field deep because he can win contested catches because he can out basically out rebound defenders on jump balls and whatnot. And Oh, by the way, he can also get the slants, the intermediate routes, move the chains. Still another guy that is a do it all guy and a big, big key to what this Bengals offense is and what they want to be. So, yeah, I, I just love the comment from Duke Tobin. Go find your own. And the Bengals more or less squashed any kind of trade talk with this with this kind of quote. Now, I mean, someone could present some godfather deal that you just can't say no to. But, I, I mean, this basically says this, that's got to be a, I don't know, a Thanksgiving meal of a, <laughs> of, a of a trade to be able to, to to part with this guy because that's just not in their plans. That's almost like exactly what we talked about like three weeks ago with the video that we made. If the Bengals, if the 1% chance of them trading T Higgins occurs, it will be a deal that has never been seen before with a wide receiver. And this is the receiver that most people claim is like the Bengals number two guy, right? Imagine what it would take to pry Jamar Chase out of Duke Tobin's hands. He answered this question like someone asked him about trading Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase. That's just what, that's just how he sees T Higgins in this regard like he's just part of this triumvirate of what they hope to be a Super Bowl window for the next five six seven eight 
years or however however long that this trio does end up staying together. And again, there's a definite chance that extension talks stall with this specific agent and the fact that they're going to try to get a deal done with Joe Burrow this offseason. There is a definite chance that this drags on for the next two years and Higgins is only here for two years. In the Bengals' mind, that's still two years with this trio and it'll be like year four or five of this window with Joe Burrow, most teams would take that 10 times out of 10. And they'll never, ever be the team that is looking to recoup the maximum amount of value by offloading a receiver. Like that, That's that's the forward pr- progressive thinking that some other teams have kind of embodied be- for whatever reason. Like you had Stephon Diggs, that's Trey, you had A.J. Brown, you had Tyreek Hill, you had just a bunch of Hollywood Brown. You have a lot of recent examples of receivers kind of leveraging themselves out of those situations and teams getting first-round picks uh, as a result of it. And sometimes it's worked out, sometimes it hasn't, right? And the Bengals don't want to ever enter that realm of possibility. They would just rather take the two years. And that, that upsets a lot of people. That upsets people who you know have content ideas about this, or it upsets people who want to see T. Higgins play for their team. That's never been how the Bengals operate. And I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care how much they've evolved as a, as a franchise and as an organization. That will never be in their DNA. It won't be in their DNA. The Bengals, John, as as you know, what is in their DNA, regardless of the changes and the things they've done, haven't done, etc. The Bengals have largely been a team to stick with the devil they know than the devil they don't. And the devil they know in T. Higgins is a guy that is highly productive, highly valuable, and they struck gold with that guy at the top of the second round a couple of years ago, and they want to stick with him with this core that they've put together and they want to do that. And you can see what, what we highlighted here on this story. Uh, the quote, quite frankly, pointedly from Duke Tobin trading T Higgins is not on my mind. That's their problem. Meaning other teams, they want a receiver, go find your own. Also calling the trade talk a little ridiculous. Um, I, I kind of want to do more quotes, John, but because you talked about, how much the Bengals change, how much they don't. And of course, another comment in our live chat from Akila the Great mentioned this one. Uh, I, I don't, because I don't want to end necessarily the show on sour notes because we're going to talk about all this kind of stuff. I, I guess we got to get this one out of the way because this one kind of came across the, the wire as of Wednesday and it was not very favorable in ter- terms of like how the Bengals were reflected in this report it's an nflpa the players association report card grades and what they did is they kind of uh pulled people and they kind of made this cumulative grading system and you know while the Bengals actually on the pleasant surprise side they scored an a with their training staff and you know some other things you could see here an F in food service and nutrition, an F in treatment of families, and a D minus in training room. That is not what we wanted to hear based on the changes that we have seen. Now, again, this is kind of an arbitrary thing. Um, they, they, I think they pulled players, right? I mean, that's kind of where they pulled this this information from. Um, and 1,300 NFL players partook in the report back in March of last year. Now, things may have changed um, in, in a year's time, but this is kind of the cumulative thing. There were some high marks in a couple of areas for the Bengals, but they are 27th overall in terms of this scale 
uh, by the NFLPA. Um, I mean, I've, I've got some additional thoughts I'm going to say in a minute, but just kind of your overall first impression when you saw this, to me, it just kind of came out of nowhere and it's like, oh, gosh, that's not favorable <laughs> at all. Yeah, a lot of these things, they seem very minor for a team that's, you know, worth a billion dollars um, to their name. Like, it seems like things that could be remedied pretty quickly. Like, I'm assuming you want all the showers and toilets in a locker room to be operational. Um, it's also, you know, we've gone a long way from players paying for their own Gatorade to players, I guess, potentially supplying their own supplements and vitamins, which seems like seems like an upgrade to some people who follow the Bengals. But nevertheless, I mean, these are things that once they kind of come out and open to the public, you know, the team kind of has to deal with that perceived backlash and maybe they make some changes. Maybe they don't. Overall, I think most teams didn't grade very well in terms of nutrition or in terms of treatment of families, which the the title of treatment of family sounds like very stark, but it, it's more or less like you know providing accommodations uh, for right. like game days and t- like tickets and hotel rooms, which yeah. again yeah. you would expect you know NFL franchises for how much they're worth and how much goes into it. Like you would expect that to be like the bare minimum, and I guess that's not the case. But yeah, the Bengals weren't by far weren't the only team with like low marks in these specific categories. I think it's more of a general NFL problem, but it's also, I think a realization that, yeah, these owners and these teams are worth millions and billions of dollars, but sometimes they end up cutting costs and cutting corners for some of the more remedial things. I would, part of me really wants to know which Bengals players engaged in this and which, this was, this was also done back like last year, by the way, so last year, March of 22. Year. Yeah. 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 March of 22. So, uh, um, you know, I, I would be interested to see which ones kind of responded this way and, and whatnot. I mean, now the, the thing, there's two things that get to me on this one, John, and that is the first thing is this plays right into the still, albeit dated stigma that the Bengals are cheap. They, cut corners on things. They don't, they don't do everything, you know, top notch in terms of internally and infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. We've kind of tried to debunk that. And the Bengals have done to their credit, they've done a number of things to debunk that, you know, especially with this, this run of success, these past two years, you look at, you know, the, the pep rally and what they've done to engage the fans, the ring of honor, all of that stuff are really big step. Now, granted, they are kind of necessary steps that most teams do in the NFL anyway, but they are big steps for this franchise and just in general to bring, continue to bring them into the the modern age of teams. But the other thing I think about is, and this is that that's kind of where we're at presently but where my mind goes is, okay, what happens in the future? Because the Bengals in these last couple of seasons have really seemed to perk their ears and, and hear the fans, listen to the fans, listen to the people, listen to their players, their former players, and made these kinds of steps, right, the, the, to, to bring this team into uh, the modern age and bring it to modern level practices, business practices by NFL franchise standards. So, I'm curious to see what they do with this information, if anything at all. Are they going to, now that they have 
sponsors, you know, it's it's Paycor Stadium, not Paul Brown Stadium anymore. They they did the indoor practice bubble. Remember that was a that was a big thing. So are they going to take some of this money that yes, they're keeping into escrow for Joe Burrow and these contracts as well? But might they sprinkle a little bit of this sponsor money and whatnot to help improve the food, improve this the plumbing or whatnot? Or might this parlay some of it into hey, well, this stadium is now what is it twenty almost twenty five years old, right? So. Um, might this be a, another call to either new stadium or, you know, we got to spend a lot of money and up, upgrades, all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I would just hope that they do take some sort of a pulse on this and say, okay, we, we got some changes to make here. Well, yeah, there's uh, proposed plans to renovate the stadium in a lot of capacity in like 2025, 2026. Like those renderings came out months ago. Um, it was mainly focused around like, things that would affect the fans not really the players so much um but again more money's coming in for this team every single year maybe once they pay joe burrow they can actually use some of those extra millions that they're getting um but yeah like these are things that again i I would imagine get addressed in in the near future and also like the report did state that zach taylor is one of the most well-liked coaches in the nfl according to the survey and a lot of these changes were a lot of the positive changes, I should say, were because of his. I mean, and like you got to remember, he built or he like instructed the the construction of like many new offices, upgraded offices, like the whole training staff and strength staff. Like that's that was him bringing all those guys in. So all, all, every positive that you see in here is because of the injection of Zach Taylor and the things that he's uh, suggested or brought him brought in himself. That that's a good that's a good point, and I you know I. I kind of believe that again we're we've seen incremental steps of wow you know impressive move there Bengals, good move there Bengals. you know and they've been biggies right i mean the indoor practice facility that's been a thing for 30 years right i mean so now that they're doing this sort of thing you almost now have the expectation they have built the expectation that they will read and or listen to this sort of stuff and at least make incremental movements to improve this and unfortunately this comes at a time uh where it's a little bit of a pr hit potentially with free agency and outside free agents being courted around the corner you you don't like that but you know it seems as if the outside free agents that the Bengals have landed lately have had a good experience with the Bengals and like being here under zach taylor and whatnot so you know i don't know how much stock that gets put into with outside free agents as they read or hear this but not not the greatest timing <laughs> with this report coming out. No, I don't, I don't think the uh, the Steelers didn't fare very well in this year. I think I, I think the Chiefs ended up with like a worse grade too. So not a lot of correlation between overall team success and, and these things. But you know, you no, you don't want to see your team near the bottom of this in any, no, in any regard. You, you don't. You don't. Um, okay, so let's talk a little right tackle. As last week we had a. Big, big state your case on Jonah. Uh, Jonah, I almost said Jonah Hill. Good God, uh, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah Williams. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, what's his future? What are the Bengals going to do at both tackle positions? We kind of had that discussion here. It sounds as if that it's not again. I, I feel like we have this article. This could be an article that's been recycled for the past like three off seasons, right? It's yeah. like, no, he's not going to move. He's not going to move. He's going to be a left tackle. We talked about it last week, but there is some more seemingly concrete evidence that that's going to be the case. Again, like we've had this conversation for two years now, and a lot of it has come up with the idea that 
you know, a certain left tackle prospect or a left tackle free agent is available and that makes Jonah either expendable or movable to another spot on the offensive line. And that's always been right tackle, right? A lot of people want him to move inside to guard because they believe that that would enhance his skill set and ignores the fact that moving to guard is also completely new technique and it's a, it's a complete variable as to whether or not he's going to succeed at that spot. And Callahan said exactly what is true. And that's if you move a fourth or fifth year career left tackle to the other side of the line, that's a huge transition for him. It's a transition for the offense. And he said that while Jonah would be open to it because he's a very team first guy, that there's obviously he's not he's not going to like it. And I know fans don't give a crap if the player likes the move or not, if, if they believe it's for the best of the team. But we don't know if it's for the best of the team. This is only for the sake of getting an upgrade left tackle, but you're potentially downgrading right tackle because, again, it's a variable. You don't know after, I believe it would be seven years of him playing right tackle for Alabama. One year as a freshman for the Alabama Crimson Tide, as a true freshman, he played at right tackle and he finished his Alabama career at left tackle. The time to move him to right tackle was in 2020 when he hadn't taken a snap in the NFL yet. And he was recovering from, I believe, shoulder injury that knocked out his entire uh, rookie season. They had Bobby Hart at right tackle. Like, they had a chance to potentially upgrade that spot with Jonah Williams and find find someone else at left tackle. But they decided to keep him at left tackle because that's where his muscle memory was for the two years, the, the final two years that he was at Alabama. Now he's got four or five years of muscle memory at left tackle. The idea of moving him to any other spot here which it just opens the door for him being being an even worse player than what he is now. I believe you're muted, man. The context of this question was provided. Uh, it surrounds Lael Collins, his injury return, all of that, right? I mean, that that's kind of part of the context of the question, as well as may Jonah be more effective on that side because, John, the sack number, John, the, the sacks given up number, John, uh, so might, might that just be a move in all, even if it's temporary while Collins comes back, might that be a move that is in the best interest of everybody? Now, now the answer was provided by Brian Callahan, offensive coordinator for the Bengals. And of course the answer, he said, uh, it was a very PC type of type of answer quote, moving him would probably be pretty difficult. It's probably not something that he would necessarily be excited about either. I'm sure as a team first guy, he would do it if that's what was best for us, but it's a hard switch to make for a guy who's played a lot of snaps at left left tackle over his career. The other thing to tack on to this is a quote, John, and I, we don't have an article for it. It's a soundbite that was provided by a lot of members of the, the local Cincinnati media who spoke with offensive line coach, Frank Pollock. And so the other, the, the, kind of tack on question to this was, well, if not Collins and if not Jonah Williams, not Jonah Hill, if not Jonah Williams is, is who then, right? I mean, who on the roster then might, might vie for this and a, in a somewhat surprising answer. Now it might be just kind of, again, propping up his guy. We saw in the Buffalo game, the embrace towards the end of that game between Frank Pollock and Jackson Carmen, but that was the guy that Frank Pollock noted as a guy who could potentially come in as Leo Collins recovers. And if he gets a late start, if the Bengals keep him, the Bengals get, if he gets a late start into training camp and into the regular season with his recovery, maybe Jackson Carmen is a guy. I think the quote was in the mix for that. And the difference with that is Jackson Carmen has been practicing at multiple spots, including 
right tackle for this exact scenario. When you're a reserve on the offensive line in the NFL, you don't stay at one spot. Now, obviously, no one outside of centers can play center usually, but Jackson Carmen had been practicing at four different offensive line spots throughout the season once he was basically demoted as a backup. So he has reps at the tackle spot. He, yes, he played left tackle most recently, but and yes, that's where the majority of his career has been, but there is a chance with a full offseason dedicated to him working at right tackle that he can be more accustomed to that. And again, he has more recent practice reps at that spot just because that's the nature of practicing in the NFL. You need guys to play multiple positions to go through the second and third team and whatnot. So definitely the fact that he finished the season, at least on somewhat of a high note, as Jonah Williams is back a bit left tackle, that gives him momentum in the offseason. And granted, like, it's much better than where we probably expected him to be, like, six months ago. Like, he was probably viewed as a clear cap casualty just because he just wasn't adding any value to the team. So he's presented himself with value as a potential spot starter, and that would be probably the case here. But again, if you're entering 2023 with no other option, no other healthy option at right tackle other than Jackson Carmen, the Bengals probably didn't do their job to fortify the offensive line while Lael Collins is recovering. Fate in the fourth uh, with the with the quote for you there, John. 12 sacks! 12 sacks! You got to ring the fist to the heavens, right? 12 sacks! I, I, I would love to see Bengals fans react to seeing Jonah Williams against TJ twice a year. How, how is it going to be any different than him facing Miles Garrett? It, fair point fair point yeah and i think i think to your point too i think whether it's you know whether they do keep keep Lael collins maybe have jackson carmen in the mix I, I think offensive tackle particularly one who who they think could play right tackle pretty early is going to be in the mix early for the Bengals in the nfl draft uh we've got a little bit more to get to we're kind of rolling through some headlines and quotes sound bites etc today um I just want to remind folks, we've, we've mentioned a couple of names. We mentioned T Higgins, go check out our interview with him from a couple of months ago. We had some fun on, on a sit down with him. My boy, John was at uh, the high school with him that he was at. What, what was the name of the high school again, John? Uh, Withrow. Uh, Withrow, Withrow High School. I was going to say Wheaton, but I knew that wasn't right. Uh, Withrow High School in, in Cincinnati. Um, so go check out that. That was that was a lot of fun, and we appreciate his time there. And, of course, we had some draft profiles, a free agent profile. We're going to be rolling out more of those. If you are new here, welcome. We do a live show. You can catch it after the live recording if you like as well. We are on YouTube. The icon to subscribe to that is underneath the SB Nation logo. If you're watching the video, subscribe to that. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, and we'll get that for you. And then, of course, if you like the audio side of things, you can subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel with a number of different shows that we have on the channel through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones, we are there. And then, of course, all of the stories, the podcasts, the live stream videos, all that stuff are available on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. 80,000 plus strong on that one, so give that give that a thumbs up. Go follow the Cincy Jungle Instagram page, all kinds of stuff. We got things going and cooking for you here on this show and at CincyJungle.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. Instilling in them a love for learning 
and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Let's keep rolling on here what what where do we want to go next here we haven't um, talked about the running back oh yeah that how could i forget about that um joe mixon the you said this before we took the air which i thought was really uh just hilarious in terms of how duke tobin addressed things differently between two different players. So we talked about at the beginning of the show, how assuredly he seemed to be at not wanting to trade T Higgins. And he thinks that the trade talk is ridiculous and blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a little bit of a different tune being sung with Joe Mixon, John. And I know, you know, the value levels and the age and years pro and positions and all that stuff plays into this as well as a couple of other factors that we may or may not mention, but you can see here at the title of this Cincy jungle article. And uh, he doesn't know if Joe Mixon's going to remain with the Bengals. It's so interesting to me because like, I didn't give this much thought entering the off season. I kind of figured that if Joe Mixon was going to get cut, he would get cut next year just because they don't normally cut guys with two years left their deal. Despite you know, recent changes to their philosophies. Like they typically don't uh, remove themselves of a contract with multiple years left. And that has to do with, you know, a large amount of dead money, but you know, they would save like seven and a half million on the cap and they would eat about five. But yeah, you're totally right with a juxtaposition here. Like there's a firm stance that T Higgins is not going anywhere. What about Joe Mixon? <laughs> eh, well, We'll see. You know, I, I can't know. predict the future. We'll I mean, who knows? Hey, I guess he quoted. I, I never watched The Office, so I don't, I don't know the, the the Kevin Malone quote of "I don't know." We'll see. But wait, I, wait, I wait, imagine... wait, 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 wait! You've never watched The Office? I tried to sneak that in there. I've seen like a couple. Of oh episodes. my god! What? Oh my god, John! <laughs> this is not about me. This is not about me. This is not oh, about me. This man. is about Duke, who's <laughs> quoting a very popular show that I've never seen. But I mean, I I think he's just being honest and. This is the first legitimate sign of, yes, Joe Mixon has been a vital part of this team. I'm, I guess I'm just quoting here him at this point, but I, I just don't believe, I don't think anyone can believe at this point that he will be on the roster under his current cap hit, under his current salary, and that's at $12.5 million, almost close to $13 million this year. I think they would be totally fine 
with releasing him and bringing him back on a smaller deal, which is basically what they did with Michael Johnson. I think this is the last time that they've done this in recent memory where they've cut Michael Johnson at the very end of the 2018 offseason, I want to believe, I want to say, and then they brought him back on a smaller deal. I think it was like a one-year, five-year deal. So he basically took a pay cut, and that's the only time I can remember him actually doing this. I think they offered Giovanni Bernard a pay cut two years ago, but he declined, and then he ended up joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they don't normally do this. I know restructure has been brought up a lot with Jim Mixon too, but that's only for lowering a cap hit on a guy that you want to keep for multiple years and I don't think that's necessarily the case with Mixon just because he's only got two years left on his deal and he's a 27 year old running back with over a thousand carries to his name he's coming off a very pedestrian year that outside of just you know one or two great games he just wasn't he just wasn't it so it does feel like the time of Joe Mixon under his current deal is at an end and that's what that just depends and it comes down to whether or not he wants to take a pay cut you know take that hit to the to his pride or he wants to try his luck somewhere else there's the financial side of it there is the story that came out we're not going to go into great detail about that because we're not really in the place to comment on a lot of details on that um but there was a you know an allegation it was dropped and then I, I i would think that the Bengals are keeping tabs on that to see what if anything continues to come on that um, and that was kind of a, a disappointing allegation, but again, it was dropped. So that's kind of where that situation is, but that's playing into this undoubtedly. And then the thing is too, John, I mean, when you look at this roster, the way it's constructed and everything, there are very few, I mean, I, I, I probably need the roster in front of me to get the exact number, but just offhand, I could probably count on that one hand, how many Marvin Lewis players are still on this roster and how many others are Zach Taylor or free agency guys that Zach Taylor has brought in. Um, you know, when you, when you look at it and, uh, you know, Mixon's one of them, Tyler Boyd's one of them. So there are still not very many Marvin Lewis holdovers. He is one. And maybe that is starting to play into this equation as well, where it's like, Hey, you know, he's been valuable to us. He's been an effective player to us, but let's get someone that's maybe even a little bit more aligned with what we want vision wise, Taylor Callahan Pollock. Well, I think that brings up a great point because in the past you often saw, like, I don't think anyone would have an issue with, if money wasn't an issue, I don't think anyone would have a problem with Joe Mixon, the players still on the Bengals just because he is still talented and there is still like a role for him here, obviously as, as the star running back. But despite what he's done in the past on the field, despite what he's been as a leader, as a locker room guy and everything in that regard, there is a recognition that the value that he brings on the field now going forward doesn't match with what he's getting paid and what he's getting paid against the cap. And even if the Bengals can afford this, afford his contract, and they could still feasibly afford to keep him on this deal and do everything else that they want to in the offseason, there's a recognition that his value doesn't match what his current paycheck is, and they need to do something about that. And the recognition and the awareness of that, I think, is very good progress for them to recognize that with a player that they hold in such high esteem and high regard, a captain, a leader, you know, a guy that they've drafted and developed for six and seven years now, to do that with that specific player, I think, is a, is a good step for them. It's, it's a continuation of progress for just their overall team-building philosophy, which you wouldn't expect them to do a couple years ago. He's entering his eighth season, and 
I, you know, I, I think another thing that's playing in the mind's eye of Bengals leadership is look, if, if there was a huge drop, we, we, when Joe Mixon was out with injury this year, if there was a huge drop off with P Ryan coming into the lineup, and if there was just a lot of ineffectiveness, and man, we just cannot run the football without Joe Mixon, I don't think we're having this conversation. Yeah. Right. I, I, I think, I think we're, we're at the point and the Bengals staff is at the point, not necessarily that because Joe Mixon isn't, uh, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a valuable player. He's been a very, a very productive, one of the better running backs in Bengals history to this point. Um, but, you know, I, I think also it's not, they're not looking at this like, well, he's, he's completely irreplaceable because when you look at when he was out of the lineup, you saw what Samaj P Ryan did with a, a number of carries, high volume of touches. He was effective. It wasn't the flashiest of things, right? Cause he's a big kind of bruising North South guy, but it was effective, right? When you look at some of the big wins, the Bengals had late in the year, he was a big factor in those, right? The big, the big regular season chiefs win. he was trucking Reed all over the place, right? I think he did it two or three times. I think it was the Titans game as well. He had a, he had a good game there too. So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of playing into this. It has to. It, it's not great optics when you're getting paid the third most amount on the team and you're not on the field for the final, the most important drive of the season because that's just what it's become for this dynamic between Mixon and Pirine. They trust Pirine in the most important situations. That's why he was on the field for the final drive of the Super Bowl, right? Like that that's just what it is. And you're you're totally right. Like they have just been throwing this evidence right into their face. Like we we sat down here in week three, week four talking about if Samaji Pirine should be started just because he was making more of the terrible blocking in front of him in the beginning of the season when the offensive line was still completely out of funk and Samaji Pirine was still was was totally fine and there wasn't there was, not only was there not a drop off he looked better at some times and then when Mixon was out for three four weeks the offense was totally fine just moving the ball and running the ball effectively and obviously he's more valuable as a pass protector so going forward both Samaji Pirine is a free agent odds are Joe Mixon will not be back at his current deal but even if Joe Mixon is back at his current deal i don't think you can justify re-signing p ryan to maybe a, a, a potential race that's just a lot of money just going into a running back room that has this current dynamic where it's being forced to have different differentiating roles and the guy who's getting paid less is honestly being tasked to do more important things than the guy who's being paid more so you're looking at a situation where mixon is gone and p ryan is back or mixon is back under a cheaper salary and p ryan is gone and you draft someone else the dynamic that we've seen for the past two years with both these guys who've been teammates ever since really Oklahoma, I feel like it's just done at this point. But the devil's advocate argument to that, meaning the first part of your statement where we're talking about P Ryan being on the field at critical games, moments, all of that. Yes. The pass blocking prowess is obviously something where you go, okay, well that's highly valuable it's a good asset that's why they love Gio Bernard as well but again we're still talking about that being such a highly regarded asset because when you talk about those two moments when you talk about the Chiefs AFC championship game at the end of of this last season and the Super Bowl last year the offensive line was a shambles right because of injuries because of and, and if the offensive line is not a shambles then Maybe you have a little bit more of an explosive player in Mixon out there making a catch, doing different things to help the drive, sustain a drive, offensively speaking. But, again, round and round we go because we've seen Pirine be effective as a runner and catcher as well. So, uh, 
lot to lot to balance out, lot to lot to argue, and I'm sure that's probably the debate that's going on within the Paycor Stadium walls. Um, <laughs> this at, at this point with Joe Mixon, this is just a really it can be a really productive off season for this offense because they have a clean slate at tight end and they potentially have a clean slate at running back. And if they have a good feel for what they want the base of this offense to be, and they seem to have found that last season when they transitioned more to gap scheme blocking and they just went full into just having the Joe Burrow offense just be whatever Joe Burrow wants it to be, then they can supplement those core pieces that receiver and quarterback with running backs and tight ends that fit what they want to do. And I feel like, that's part of this conversation with Joe Mixon. Does he ultimately fit with the vision of this offense going forward? It's, it's no longer trying to fit potentially square holes in, you know, you know, wow, square pegs into round holes. And now you can potentially have better pieces at a significantly less cost to ultimately build a better product. Well, you know, going to have to see what happens. I, I think also the Bengals may, it could be a situation too where the Bengals, start courting some external free agents or something to that effect. And maybe, maybe it's kind of, I don't want to call it pie in the sky thinking, but maybe it's a little bit like, Hey, let's kind of shoot for the fences here a little bit. And uh, you know, see if we can get one of these, one of these players and maybe we don't think we can, but all of a sudden that becomes a little bit more of a realistic possibility. You sign someone, maybe you didn't think you were going to grab and then, or you re-sign someone internally that you didn't think you were going to grab. And then all of a sudden you have to look at that. You're forced to look at that contract and go, well, this is maybe one of those areas where you have to make a tough business decision going forward. We'll see what happens, but let's, let's kind of switch gears a little bit as we start closing up shop here, John combine some news and notes with it. And I want to ask you, maybe, I don't know how close attention you have paid to some of the prospects. I know we've gone through a, a few on this show it, with a finer tooth comb than others, but a couple of things. Number one, one of the guys we profiled, Dalton Kincaid, it sounds like he is not going to be testing or at least we'll be waiting to until his pro day. So a little bit of a shame there, but a guy who has pretty high stock right now, maybe he just wants to, uh, I, I think he, like I said, he was coming off an injury um, from the Rose Bowl. And I think maybe he just kind of wants to make sure everything's in order. And obviously a lot of guys prefer to test, um, especially when you're talking about forties and that sort of thing at their pro days, because they run on a field they're used to and all that kind of stuff. And potentially put up a better time. So a little disappointed, at least for me personally, because he's one of my favorite guys in the draft. Dalton Kincaid seems like he is not going to be testing this week at the combine. However, some other tight ends will be. And I think that's where potentially a guy like Luke Musgrave can make a lot of money and prove a lot of people wrong. I know he was mocked to the Bengals by Mel Kuyper in his latest mock draft, which already seems kind of outdated based off some recent news but Luke Musgrave a guy that some Bengals fans are familiar with he didn't really play that much in 2022 but his biggest attribute is just his overall athleticism I believe he was clocked at over 20 miles an hour at 255 pounds at the senior bowl and he's probably expected to run and jump very well at the combine and that's what I think the Bengals need to be looking for at the tight end position you need the, the very best tight ends in the NFL are just these elite athletes, right? Like Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski back in the day, like Kyle Pitts. I mean, I guess he's not been productive for a second-year tight end, but like that's what makes him special, right? 
and you want to see any tight end running under like the four seven or four six five mark and i believe that's where musgrave is projected to go i believe that's probably the over under for a guy like michael mayer who is the best like traditional tight end in this class just because he's got better blocking maybe more reliable yep. hands so both of those guys should potentially run well and that will impact you know whether or not they fall as far as to 28th or 27th in the actual draft in april yeah, and you see here 10,000 noodles saying do not draft a tight end in round one. Well, as you get towards the back of round one, I mean, if you're talking, you're, you're drafting 15 to 20. Maybe that's a different conversation than drafting 28 to, well, you know, Bengals drafted, uh, what, 31 last year, right? Uh, or 30 or something like that. So, um, you know, I mean, it's a different conversation when you're talking about the very end of round one. I mean, is that essentially kind of a little bit of a round two pick? Uh, you know, you can you can make that debate, but... Regardless, and of course, Musgrave is the nephew, I believe, of Bill Musgrave, a guy who's been a coach and former player um, in the NFL. He's, he's his nephew, so uh, some lineage there. Um, the other unfortunate news that kind of came to light here, uh, the Georgia defensive tackle, arguably the guy who was going to maybe go number one overall or, you know, uh, top five, it would, it would have seemed Jalen Carter – um, is involved in a, uh, I guess, a legal situation. There was kind of a street racing thing. Again, I don't want to get into a ton of details because of um, a lot of different reasons. I don't want to get into a lot of details, but it sounds like a pretty um, sad situation as I believe two lives were lost in this in this uh, uh, incident that occurred back in January. Some of these uh, Georgia players have been involved. I, I know um, – their quarterback Stetson Bennett also had a little bit of a, a run in as well um, in January. So some of these Georgia guys are having uh, some, some issues follow them into the combine here. And this is a major, major situation to watch because this is a top five pick. Um, and we could see some sort of situation um, uh, and granted the big and most important and saddest thing of all are, are the lives that were lost. But um, from a football perspective, John, it looks at this could be a Lael Collins type of thing, right? A guy who is going to be a high pick, going to be one of the better players in his class that could fall and fall and fall and fall, depending on how this thing comes out. And the fact that it is timed right along the combine, um, it's uh, kind of unfortunate that this is when some of those things start to come to light as opposed to right away. The timing is crazy because it, I think the report came out legitimately 30 minutes before he was supposed to speak at the combine and then there was this this insane crowd you know surrounding uh, the podium where he was supposed to be because no one knew if he was actually going to speak or not and he ended up uh, jettisoning from Indianapolis back to Athens to try to clear all this up and I think he released a statement regarding like you know I'm going to go back there and and you know talk this through and everything Um, but again we don't we only know what the report was and yes like two people lost their lives and he was unfortunately present uh, for the incident and everything. So again, we can't really comment on anything more than that. Uh, it's obviously too early to kind of gauge what this means for where he goes in the draft. But yeah, like, I don't think I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for him that he doesn't test just because you know he's a phenomenal football player and he was pr- going to go in the top five regardless of how dominant or maybe pedestrian he was at the combine. He still ended up talking and meeting with plenty of teams and. You know, just because he doesn't he didn't test doesn't mean that he's going to fall. But yeah, of course, it depends on you know what come kind of comes out of the legal situation. Well, let's let's get on to a little bit of a different topic here, based on uh, some of the players we've talked about, some of the 
previews, previews we've player previews we have done and positions we've just kind of mentioned. If you were to say you're paying the closest attention to the tight end group, be it with Dalton Kincaid, Kincaid testing or not testing, uh, the running back group, based on what we talked about with Joe Mixon, or potentially the offensive line group, what what are, you, what are you paying attention most to there of those three? If I'm if I'm bringing those three up, if the, of those three, uh, I mean, I I don't think I'm paying attention to one or the other. Like I, I'm I'm mainly looking at specific drills for each of the group. Like obviously speed so important for tight ends and for both running backs and offensive linemen. Watch for three cones, man. Watch for short shuttles, specifically short shuttles for offensive linemen. Any offensive lineman with a short shuttle of under four or five, he has a really good chance of being at the very least like a long-term starter. And athleticism, both at running back and offensive line, is something that they need. Like to fell out both position groups, they need an injection of explosion. They need that big game, uh, big play threat ability at running back that they just haven't really had in recent years. And they need offensive linemen who can fit multiple blocking schemes. They have to deploy multiple blocking schemes throughout throughout the season, right? Like, you just need that athleticism at both spots that they just haven't really had, and now's the time to, to try to target that. And I, I guess if I had to pick one, I guess running back, just because they haven't really addressed the position in quite some time, along with tight ends. So I'm interested to see, you know, how these guys who are projected between rounds two and three look. Yeah, I would... I would... I'm with you on that. You know, I think as we talked about before, the running back seems to be uh, if the Bengals are grabbing who they presume to be a starter or a high volume player, that's going to be grabbed in round two. Um, You know, if if they're going to be, if Mixon's staying around and they want to, you know, maybe they've, I I don't know what they're doing with Chris Evans. Um, You know, if, if they're trying to provide some, you know, Travion Williams, what's his future with the team too? I mean, he, he had a couple of nice kick returns with the team here. So, you know, it's kind of going to be interesting to see what they do beyond uh, who they deem as the top two running backs and what they do with the top running back on the roster. So, but if they're going to get someone, that that's going to be their long-term starter and or potential mix and replacement. I would guess that that's going to be round two. Um, and then of course, you know, you could look at late round one as a, you know, a tight end or offensive line prospect. And then, you know, I think, you know, I know there's uh Cansey, the, the kid, I think he's out of pit, um, the internal uh, yes. interior defensive lineman, good, good player. Um, if they don't opt to go there and, or he is not available, when they are on the clock, you know, I think again, you look at round three, round four for those interior defensive line. That's where the Bengals seem to draft a lot of these guys. Um, You know, if you're going by history, positional pick history, that's kind of some of the, you know, I I guess if you want to call it a, uh, an assumption or a, you know, uh, it's kind of just what they do. Right. I'm very glad you mentioned Cansey just because like when you mentioned like offensive linemen, running backs, times, I'm mainly just thinking about de- defensive tackles and maybe cornerbacks as like, that's why I didn't like, add it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like that's why that I went those three. They, and not they the probably two, should yeah. be interested in drafting in the first round. Cause again, I'm, I'm looking at both future and immediate opportunity and they probably need a, a right tackle to start week one. And they probably need a third defensive tackle to play 20, 30 snaps a game. Like those are the two most integral roles that are open like immediately and they could definitely use another interior pass rusher to, to give them some some juice next to dj reader so that, that dj reader isn't relied on to be their second best pass rusher for an entire season again so def- guys like hansy i believe the guy from florida that that 
they've met with already at the combine. Like he's another guy that a lot of people love. I'm I'm really interested to see how fast and explosive these defensive tackles are. Well, a lot of uh, inter- you know intriguing players and a lot of fun stuff coming up for the combine. It's always you know I know it's a little bit of the quote unquote underwear Olympics or whatever people like to call it, but it's also a, a symbol or a signal of the upcoming kind of flurry of the off season. And there's really not many breaks in the NFL calendar. And this event signifies that again, as I said, at the, at the top of the show, I apologize. We, we have credentials at the, at this event and we had planned to go, but a lot of other factors have prevented us from going. So unfortunately we don't have at this point direct and um, you know, representation presently there slight chance. It happens at the end of the week, doubtful though, but, Regardless, we're still going to be covering the event on Cincy Jungle and on this show and get you all kinds of different stuff with that. Let's drop the mic and get out of here, John. The one thing I have, um, and sorry, I usually let you go first, but I'm going to go first because it was just randomly on my mind. Um, It's kind of more news, but it's a little bit different. Apparently, Wyatt Hubert uh, is coming out of retirement, and he's no longer under contract with the Bengals. And he he and his agent have kind of said, well, you know, the Bengals were gracious enough to kind of let him out of the contract and all that kind of stuff. And he felt that he did not have a good shot at playing time with the Cincinnati Bengals um, as an edge rusher. But he kind of took time off. He had you remember he had the the peck injury as a rookie, mm-hmm. took time off and then randomly, I think it was last year, he said, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Um, and so it was kind of like, well, that's a bummer that that never came to fruition. Well, now he claims that he has had a chance to rest his body and have take time away from football and all this kind of stuff while maintaining his conditioning and being in shape. And he is coming back. So going to be fun to see where he lands. And if he ends up being a contributor somewhere, it would be a bummer if he, you know, contributes heavily somewhere and it's not with the Bengals because of everything that transpired, but um, kind of a cool story for him personally that he feels that he is able to come back and hopefully latch onto a team. We'll see what happens after taking that time off, but retired, came out of retirement and is now looking, I think, for a potential suitor is Wyatt Hubert, the Bengals' former seventh round pick of 21, right? 2021, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so uh, kind of a kind of a funny little story there. It'd be kind of cool if you could like latch on to XFL or USFL team just because he hasn't played in a while and he can, you know, be one of the best pass rushers in yeah. either league. Get a and call then, up. You know, but put some more tape on them. So, you know, good yeah. for him. Yeah. I also have an announcement. Um, this, is, this has been kind of in the in the workings for a couple weeks now. But, um, I mean, for those who only listen to this podcast and don't really go on Since the Jungle, um, I've been working there for the past six and a half years. And that is coming to an end within the next week and a half. As of March 10th, I will no longer be posting, publishing, editing for CincyJungle.com. And that's kind of crazy for me to say because, again, it's been six and a half, seven years. And they've been six, seven years of the most you know transformative years of my life. And I'm sure anyone who lived between ages 19 and 26 can kind of say the same. So there's nothing that I can really say that encapsulates that amount of time. Um, only just absolute just gratefulness for all the people that I've worked with, including the man to, the, to my... Uh, was this right, left, whatever? Yeah, Anthony Kazanza. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it, it's been it's been a crazy run. It's been a run that I knew would eventually end, just because you know you have to move on to some some bigger things eventually in in the future. And that opportunity just came to me 
within this past uh, month. And before I go any further, this does not, as of right now, impact my future here on the podcast. So if you only like listening to me and not reading my work, that will not change for the foreseeable future, nor will it impact what I do with the, the puppets on the number one Bengals podcast. But just in terms of writing content and my full-time job, that will be someplace else at this moment. I can't announce where that is. All that I can say is that uh, March 10th will be the last uh, day that I will post on com. And again, uh, for anyone who's ever read, ever seen, ever hatefully commented on my work, I appreciate every single one of you. And it's, it's been amazing. It, it, I remember being hired as the assistant editor in 2018 as a college student with a business economics in progress degree. I had no experience in the journalism field. I've only been writing for CJ for two years and now I was being tasked to handle and manage and edit other people's work. I felt completely in over my head, but the people at, at this website, including our boss, Jason Markham made the, the transition and the process so amazing. And that's what makes this really hard just because, you know, you're, you're leaving, a situation that's been grateful to you and that's been great to you and that there's a sense of comfortability with that. But again, like I've been working for this potential opportunity for years now. And if I didn't jump at it, I would be kicking myself. So that's why I ended up going with it and obviously continue, continue to go on com. It's going to be a great hub for Bengals news and content long after any of us are with the same more. It's just a Titan in this space now and it doesn't need me to thrive but i will just ask that you know when i can't tell you where i'm going to be you know maybe pop on over there after you're at cityjungle.com so that's that's all i gotta say absolutely and well deserved opportunity for you again before i continue to laud compliments onto you john as of now as he's told me this is not affecting this show so John is still, I, I, I don't want to immediately start losing viewers and subscribers because we know where the talent yeah. is, folks. We know where the talent oh. is, and it is not with this goober who is currently speaking. It is with the other guy over there. So, um, look, man, uh, well-deserved, and I know that it's going to be a, a good opportunity for you, and I know, you know you've worked hard for it, obviously. So I am happy for you. I'm happy that you will be still contributing on this show because uh, I would probably put up a stink um, to your new employers about that. Just kidding. I won't, but you know, <laughs> uh, I, I would, I would be unhappy, but um, I'm glad that that's still staying intact. Cause I feel like we've got a good synergy here, but happy for you. And um, you know, I know CJ's going to miss you. So, uh, but when you can divulge the information fully, please do, because I know our listeners and readers would want to check out what you got going. Absolutely, man. And again, like, Ne- never stop going to CJ at all. Like I'm, I'm sure th- this upcoming season will be just as good. And obviously Anthony, Matt, Patrick, Jason, obviously uh, both Garrisons, Jason, Andrew, they're all still be there. They're, they're all guys that I respect and I've loved working with. And again, that, that makes this very bitter, bittersweet because again, like in th- in this industry specifically, not a lot of people get to walk out on their own terms. Like especially in a pandemic where you don't know if sports are even a thing. Like there have been many times where I'm sure a lot of us didn't really know the future of our employment, just, you know, doing something that we all love. So the fact that, you know, I have this chance to, you know, progress my career on my own terms, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. I almost have a little bit of imposter syndrome because of that, but you know, it's just, I mean, it, it, yeah, that's what it is now. Well, it's a good thing for you. We're, we're stoked for you and we're, Continue to be to, to be excited that you're going to be contributing 
here on the show in, in your your similar capacity and um just excited for you man but hey that's gonna do it for us this has been the orange and black insider Bengals podcast again get this on your favorite audio streamer along with the other shows on the Cincy jungle podcast channel you can get that on itunes stitcher spotify google podcast iHeartRadio, all of the major ones we are there leave us a review hopefully five stars if you like what we do or the other shows do or all of us do we would appreciate that. If you like the video stuff, you got to go to our Facebook page, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. It also has links to stories and all kinds of different content there. So go give that a thumbs up. And of course, YouTube, we do a lot of shows like this. We do some other fun side videos and all kinds of stuff as well. So go give us a like if you feel like being a member. We are stoked for that as well. But anyway, if you are new and you haven't subscribed, there is an icon, show icon underneath that SB Nation Cincy Jungle logo. Click that, subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And of course, if you can give us a thumbs up on this video, if you liked what we yacked about, that would be appreciative uh, as well. So thank you, everybody. We are going to get out of here, John. Congratulations on your announcement. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in live. Thank you for tuning in. After the fact, we'll be back with a lot more on this show and, of course, at CincyJungle.com. Take care, buddy. Easy, man.